0: So this morning we are continuing our series uh, through Colossians, right? And this letter was written by Paul, uh, of course, as you know, to new followers of Christ at Colossae. And you may remember from the first message that Paul is writing this letter during his two-year imprisonment in Rome. While Paul is in Rome, what has happened is that he has received a visit from his mentee, Epaphras of Colossae. Uh, Pastor Epaphras uh, has given Paul a ministry update uh, on the three churches that he has helped to plant in the Lycus Valley, uh, the church at Colosse, at Laodicea, and I, 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 I can never say this <laughs> word, is it Erapolis, right? Uh, you can look it up, just you can tell me how to say it properly, right? Now, Paul, of course, has never met these believers in the Lycus Valley, And he has never met especially these believers at Colossae. But they knew, they know who he is, rather, through Pastor Epaphras. And so Paul is writing now, after getting this ministry report, to encourage them in their work. Paul is a wonderful apostle and he wants to strengthen these new followers or believers. He wants first to do two things. He wants to reassure them that they are true followers of Jesus. Colossians is about the identity we have in Christ. And Paul is writing to reassure them of that. The second thing that Colossians is about is that Paul is writing to encourage them to grow in Christ. So identity and growth, these are the two big themes of the letter of Colossians. He wants them to keep growing, to grow in their Christian life. Not just to grow, but to endure with patience and with joy. In fact, today we are looking at verse 13 to verse 14. And you remember that just before those verses... Paul has just prayed for them in verse 11 to verse 12. He has prayed for them for two things. He has prayed for them to keep growing in knowing more and more of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that's verse 9 to verse 10. And he has now prayed for them in verse 11 to 12 to grow in enduring with patience and joy. So just remind you of those verses. He says this in verse 11 to 12. May you be strengthened strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all patience, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. What Paul's saying there is that the key, you see, to growing in this patient and joyful endurance is to grow in thanking God for two things. Thanking God for being our Father, giving thanks to the Father, and then thanking God for giving us this wonderful inheritance, this, this blessing with the sense in life, this amazing kingdom we have in Christ who has qualified you, who has passed the exam of life for you to share in the inheritance of the sense in life. And so Paul has prayed for them to grow in giving God thanks. And now we are in verse 13 to 14. And what Paul is doing here is to expand on this point. He has just made This thanksgiving point, giving them, if you like, more reasons for thanking God. And so he says this in verse 13 to 14. He, that is the Father, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved eternal Son, that is Jesus, in Jesus in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so what Paul is, Paul is doing in verse 13 to 14, he's saying to our followers of Christ, we have every reason to give God our thanks in whatever situation, because God has secured our life with him through his beloved son, our Lord Jesus Christ. That's his main message in verse 13 to 14. And this is the key truth that I want us to look at, actually, in two separate messages, because it's so wonderful. Right. I want to look at it under two messages. We're going to have a message today uh, because the first lesson he's teaching us is about the Christian's safety from darkness. The Christian's safety from darkness. That's the first lesson. The second lesson he wants us to learn from this is the Christian's belonging in Christ. And we're going to look at that uh, next Sunday. So please look with me again at those verse 13 to 14. And the first lesson I want us to look at today uh, is, 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 is the Christian safety from darkness. If you like, the key truth, first of all, Paul wants us to take away from this is simply this, which is your only point in your outline at the back. It is this. All followers of Christ are now safe from the power of darkness. All followers of Christ are now safe from the power of darkness. Of darkness. Now, the day is the 23rd of June, 2018. The location we are in is Chiang Rai province in Thailand. Twelve boys and their football coach, they are out in the Chiang Rai area, having some fun in the mountains. In fact, they have come to the Tham Luang cave, a favorite hunt for the boys. They love, you see, exploring the nooks and crannies of the Mayse mountain range. And so they've come there, as boys do, to our fan. And as they arrive outside this cave, uh, this Tham Luang cave, they leave their bikes and bags outside the cave entrance. And they, only, they go inside, but they only take their torches with them. But as they go deep inside this cave, trouble strikes. It has been raining for the last few days and all the water on the mountain, you see, has been going into this Tham Luang cave system and it is filling up very fast. And so the boys now, they are trapped by a new flood of water behind them. So they've gone in, it's flooding at the back, and now they realize it's dark inside, they can't go back. So what do you do when that happens, Right? You can't go back. Well, what you do is you keep going forward. Well, probably that's not wise, but that's what they do. They keep going forward for safety because, of course, it's actually flooding behind them. And soon what happens is that as they keep going forward in this dark cave, they become marooned, you see, on a small rocky shelf. And they are now two miles from the original cave entrance. The boys are trapped in darkness. And as days now begin to pass... They lose all sense of time. They have no food. They've only got water dripping from the cave walls. Because, of course, they didn't expect. They just went to have a bit of fun. And so what happens now is as days passes, darkness and fear begins to grip them, you see. They're in this thick darkness, and they are now wondering to themselves, is this the end of our life? Will light shine in our dark? Now, I know as we sit here this morning, we are not in, we are far from the dark caves of Cheyenne Rai, right? And yet the Bible teaches us that all of humanity, you see, is trapped in darkness. The condition of the boys in that cave is really the, a picture of the human race. The darkness we are trapped in is not a physical darkness. The Bible says that the whole world. Is gripped by spiritual darkness, and we see this darkness. If you like the physical evidence of this spiritual darkness, all around our society, isn't it? Uh, if you picked up the news, you, you you may have picked up news of perhaps a, an investigation of a genocide. This is the world we live in: murders, modern slavery, drug abuse, all kinds of sexual perversion fraud, corruption, broken families, corrupt politics, and all kinds of darkness. All of these things you see are are symptoms actually. The physical stuff you see are symptoms of a deeper spiritual darkness. And this darkness is not just out there. The Bible says this spiritual darkness is in And with all of us. And all human beings have been living under this spiritual darkness since our first parents, Adam and Eve, rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden. And our spiritual darkness takes many forms. First, our spiritual darkness, we are under the dark power of sin. That's the first form of darkness we are under. Everyone has abandoned God. We only live for ourselves. You see, God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. What that means is in God there is no sin at all, which means our sin is darkness. We only live for ourselves. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says this, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. All of us are wrapped in darkness. And in fact, Paul, writing in the church at Rome, makes it clear that the, the darkness we are under, it's not just that we are under the penalty of sin, we are under the power of sin. We can't break free of our sin. This is why people have addictions and things like that. You, you, you cannot tell yourself, you can tell yourself not to sin, but you sin tomorrow. Because sin, you see, is not just something we do, it's a power that enslaves us. That's the first dark power we are under, the dark power of sin. Secondly, all of us live under the dark power of death. The dark power of death. The Bible says in Romans 6 verse 23 that the penalty of living under the dark power of sin is death. Sin has left us physically, eternally and spiritually dead. Sin has done this, you see, by totally cutting us off from god who alone is the source of life thirdly all of us are under the dark power of satan the devil is a rebel angel who has brought evil in our world and he lives to promote evil in our lives Also, oh, see all human beings you see enter this world as children of the devil they are born as spiritual slaves Inside Satan's house of darkness, because that's what this word is. Is Satan's house of darkness? Now, this is difficult, of course, for many of us to accept because we are taught, by especially by the pop stars, that you can be anything you want, isn't it? This is the theme of music. Is that I am what I am? They say. You know, Gloria Gaynor. This is this is the anthem of the gay movement, isn't it? I am what I am. They say. You know, oh, I am a survivor. You know, such songs which proclaim our independence. And of course, parents, they are their kids. Work hard. Because, you know, well, the sky is the limit. <laughs> you can be anything you want to be. So when we come to this position and we realize that, no, we are born in this world, not only imprisoned by our sin, not only imprisoned by our death, but not only imprisoned by Satan. Wow. We struggle to accept that. The Bible, though, is very clear. No human being is truly independent or free. Jean Jacques Rousseau said, Man is born free, but everywhere is is in chains. Actually, he was not very, he sort of was getting there, but actually, no, man isn't born free. Man is born in certain slave camp. All human beings, you see, enter this world with invisible handcuffs. Satan. handcuffed invisibly by Satan. We should see the world really as an invisible spiritual prison cage. And in fact, we might say that everything we do in this world is really an attempt by us to escape the tyranny of the dark prison of the devil. Everything. And we can't because the power of Satan holds the world. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one, the Apostle John says. So the dark power of sin, the dark power of death, the dark power of Satan, and, the, and there is the dark power of the everlasting punishment from our righteous God. You see, because all human beings live under this darkness of sin, death, and hell... And Satan, all of us are under the everlasting punishment from God. Jude speaks of this, isn't it? Speaking of, the, of the hell, he it, it, it says it's a place of utter darkness. And that's where every human being is headed. So, you should, when we think of our life, it, it is very dark indeed. Our spiritual condition is very much like those boys trapped in. That cave in Chia Ray, Chiang Rai. We need help. And the good news of this 13 to 14. Is that if you are a true follower of Jesus. This is not your life anymore. You are now saved from the power of darkness. Look at those verses again. He has delivered us. Delivered us from the domain of Darkness. And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. In whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. Paul is saying to the Colossians and to us who trust in Christ. You lived under the spiritual power or the domain of darkness. The dangerous darkness of sin, death, hell and Satan. But almighty God has powerfully delivered you from this danger. And we know it's the danger that Paul has in mind here because the original word therefore delivered essentially means deliverance from our dangerous situation. Now that we are in Christ, we are safe from the danger of living under the darkness of sin, the danger of living under the darkness of Satan, death, and hell. And we are safe from those things because we are safe from the darkness of the wrath of God. How has God made us safe from this spiritual darkness? Well, Paul says, by sending his beloved eternal son as the ransom price to God for our safety. Verse 14. Verse 13, isn't it? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. But here, yeah, interesting, is highlighting this wonderful, amazing truth, isn't it? That God is Trinity. He's three persons, three eternal persons in one. We've already met God the Father, haven't we? Verse 2 and 3 talks about God the Father, and we meet him again there in these verses. Then we've met Christ already, haven't we? And we meet Christ again, who is fully God, in verse 15 onwards, as his divinity is fully laid out for us. And, of course, we have met the Holy Spirit, haven't we, in, in verse 8 there, which we looked at. The Holy Spirit is mentioned that the Colossians' love was spreading in the Spirit. And so we have God f- led out in the first 14 verses of Colossians as Trinitarian, as God being Trinity. Of course, God is Trinitarian as well, isn't he? He believes in the Trinity, so <laughs> you might say. So, of course, God is Trinity yeah, in that sense. So that is the truth, and God is the one who delivers the truth to us. And so what Paul then is saying in these verses is that what is happening with our deliverance is that it's a Trinitarian team effort. The Father has freed us from our darkness through His Son, His eternal Son Jesus, who has fed the ransom price for us, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, verse 14. What is redemption? Well, redemption means a release brought about by the payment of a ransom or a price. If you like, Christ came to purchase our freedom, our safety from darkness. We were slaves of darkness. Christ came to purchase us, to give us freedom and safety from darkness. If you are trusting in Christ, you are free from the dark slavery of sin. You are free from the dark slavery of Satan. You are free from the dark slavery of death and hell. Christ has paid the ransom by dying in your place to set you free. That's what Paul is saying. Who has Christ paid the ransom to? Who has he paid the ransom to? Who was demanding the ransom? Well, the ransom of Christ's death was paid to God the Father who demanded it. You see, the biggest danger we faced in the dark domain was not so much the brutality of sin and Satan. The danger we faced in the dark domain was the wrath and judgment of God. You and I were in a lost state of eternal damnation. We were facing a holy and righteous God A God who was eternally angry with us because of our sin. This is a danger of every human being. Listen, it is not the power of sin or hell or Satan or death that keeps sinners in the power of darkness and separated from God forever. It's not that. What keeps sinners separated And then under the power of darkness is the holiness and righteousness of God. God cannot live with our sin. We need to be rescued from darkness, not simply because sin, Satan, and hell, and and death are horrible things. We need to be rescued because God is holy. God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. So the biggest, the salvation you need is not a salvation necessarily from sin. It is, in that sense. But salvation properly understood is a salvation from God himself. From his wrath and judgment that rests on you because of your sin. So next time somebody asks you, what have you been saved from? the answer should be one: I've been saved by God from, from God. For God. Because you see, we are helpless against the holiness of God. All human beings are like a man sitting on a ticking time bomb about to explode with no rescuer inside. sight. We cannot deliver ourselves from the guilty and penalty and power of darkness. But the good news of Jesus, the wonderful sensation of good news of Jesus, is we don't have to. We don't have to deliver ourselves. The Lord Jesus Christ, our heavenly champion, has entered the the world stage, hasn't he? He has come not to negotiate our release. He has come to open the prison doors to free us from darkness. The Bible tells us that our Lord lived a sinless life that we could not live. He died a brutal and shameful death on the cross in our place. But it was not just the physical death. Christ died. As Christ was dying on the cross, the Bible says, the world was plunged into a physical darkness for three hours. Why did that physical darkness descend on Christ? It was symbolizing, you see, that on that cross, our Lord Jesus was taking on himself the darkness of the very wrath and judgment of God that you and I deserve. God was punishing Christ in your place. On the cross, Christ suffered, you see, not for himself because he had no sin. He suffered to free us from the spiritual darkness of sin, death, hell, and Satan forever. And after Christ died, three days later, the Bible says that he rose from death. And when Christ rose from death, you see, he translated, as it were, from the domain of darkness, right, into his kingdom, All that the Father had given him before the foundation of the world, and all who trust in him now have new life in his glorious kingdom. The transfer that is being talked about, and we'll expand on this next week, the transfer being talked about is not merely a change in your spiritual postcode, from one location to another. It is a change inside, as Christ gives us new life in his kingdom. That's what we have. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us, even translated us, to the kingdom of his beloved son. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. And that's the truth, isn't it? All followers of Christ are saved from the power of darkness forever. What does this mean for us today? How do we respond to this sensational truth that we have been freed from the spiritual darkness of sin, death, hell, and Satan if we are truly trusting in Christ? What does it mean for you? Well, three things if you're trusting in Christ. First of all, this truth should fill you with gratitude to God in whatever situation or circumstance you are facing this morning. Gratitude. That's what Paul is getting at, isn't it? Verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father. Sanctification growing in Christ is growing in gratitude to God. Thank God that he has removed the power of sin over your life. He has removed it. Thank God for that. That's not a small thing. That's an amazing thing. Your sin sends you to hell. Christ has removed your sin. Thereby translating you into his kingdom. Thank God the power of sin is broken over your life. You have been removed from it. Yes, you still sin. Listen, Christ removes three things about sin. He removes the penalty of sin. He pays for the penalty of sin. He removes the power of sin in your life, which we are talking about here. And the Bible tells us later it's going to remove the presence of sin. Of sin in your life yes you still sin but you know what if you're in Christ the sad thing is that you sin by choice there's a big difference between you and the world you see the world are enslaved under sin you are free in Christ Paul says in Romans 6 and Romans 6 your sin grieves God out saving more than the world that the world sins because you sin you see with the restored free will in Christ you are no longer under the control of sin. And that's why Christians must abolish the language of addictions. Because when we're not under any addictions. All of the sins we commit, sadly, are by choice. And God has promised that not only... I promised that there's a time coming when the presence of sin will be removed. You will live in a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells forever. Thank God that he has delivered you from the darkness of death. Whatever is going on in your life, you can thank God that he has delivered you from the greatest enemy that the world faces. That is death. First of all, you are not spiritually dead anymore. We die physically because we are spiritually dead. But in Christ, God gives us new life. With him. You've been born again. God has breathed new life into you. And every day, as we said last Sunday, you are growing to be more and more like our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God that though in this life we still die physically, for all who trust in Christ, death, beloved, is a life gate that leads us into the very presence of Christ. The believer lives with a sure, sure, a clear assurance that absent in body is to be present with Christ. And that is not the end, is it? The Lord will surely raise us on the last day with new immortal bodies and a new character like the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God that He has freed you from the power of the devil. Yes, it is true that whilst we are in this world, Satan looks like he has an upper hand over us. But that's not the big picture for the believer, you see. The big picture for the believer is that we are not under Satan's power anymore. We are safe from the darkness of Satan. Satan can harass us from afar. And we'll see this more clearly next week as we talk about the belonging we have in Christ. Yes, Satan can harass us from afar. Because we live in a different country, as it were, from him. And that's not to say he can't, you know, a bit like perhaps the Russians or whichever side you're on or the Ukrainians or the Russians. There could be a bit, I don't want to go political. You know? <laughs> Other countries can still harass us in some way. But whilst we're in this country, we are safe under that country's power. It's the same thing with us. Even more so spiritually. Satan, the devil, can still harass us from afar. And we feel his effect. But the reality is that we are saved from the dark domain of Satan. Because Christ Jesus is now our king. We have been transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. We can sing with the hymn writer, Though Satan should buffet. Though trials should come. Let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and he has shed his own blood for my soul. And then we burst into the chorus, isn't it? It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. That's the believer's gratitude. That's the believer's gratitude. So the first response is gratitude. The second response is that we must put that gratitude into practice by surrendering afresh to the Lord Jesus Christ. We must reveal we are thanking God by surrendering afresh to him every day. When we live in our lives, when we live tolerating sin in our lives, beloved, it's terrible, isn't it? Think about this truth we are learning. Christ has freed us from darkness. How terrible then it must be that we who have been rescued from such dark power are prone to sin in it. When we embrace sin, we are making light of the darkness that Christ has rescued us from, more than that, we are cheapening the redeeming work of Christ. Verse 14 is telling us, it took the very blood of the beloved son, the eternal son of God, to redeem you. Your sin was that serious. And so sin then means that it's not something we should be going towards. We should be running away from it. And yet, if we are honest, we are all very susceptible to cheapening the sacrifice of Christ. We give in too easily to the pool of darkness in our lives, don't we? There's sometimes a, a strange craving inside us, a, a remnant of our fallen nature that, that still longs, as it were, for darkness. We know that God has rescued us from the dark domain, but. We, we are like the, often like the victims of Stockholm Syndrome, aren't we? We fall in love with that which wants to suffocate us, wants to stifle the life of Christ in us. What a shameful way for us to live. To go back to the spiritual vomit. To go back to our dark past to go back to what Satan falsely calls freedom. We easily forget just how terrible it was living under his level. And so we are prone to wonder back at it. Are you in that situation at the moment? Are you allowing yourself this moment to drift towards darkness? Is there a particular sin that is working to... Plunge you back in the spiritual vomit of darkness? I humbly say, beloved, that's foolish. That's foolish. Abandon the foolishness. Go quickly to Christ. Cry out to your deliverer. Oh, Lord, save my wretched and wandering heart. Deliver my redeemed life from giving in to the allure of darkness. Help me to have a heart that prizes this freedom you have purchased for me. So, gratitude, first response. Second response, giving ourselves afresh to Christ. Third response, if you're truly thankful to Jesus for delivering you from the dark power of sin, death, and hell, and Satan, then show it by telling others about it. Get excited. About telling others about it. Surely. You have to be excited about it. If you saw a child down the road. Picture this. You get out of your house. Or even outside the church. You just get out of the chapel. And you see a child down the road. Okay, Picture that. But this child is not by herself or himself. This child is being held in a cage, somebody has stand up, locked it, the cage, and the child is there, and the child is crying, the child can't go anything, what would you do? You call the police, and you use whatever key you can use to unlock the cage, wouldn't you? you would labour to get the child to go free, right? beloved your family friends and neighbors are being held under the cage of darkness under the power of darkness of sin death hell and satan and you are not just looking at the cage you have the key to open it you have it in your pocket what's the key the gospel The gospel, as Jesus agrees, the gospel. Oh, please do not let them stay in that spiritual cage. Do not be complicit in allowing the power of darkness to keep them captive. Now we are reformed people here, aren't we? So we we must quickly add, shouldn't we, that we cannot make people surrender to Christ. None of us can. Pass sermon number one and two, I think three or four, Right? Life comes from God. We said that last week. God must breathe life. Only God can make a person have life and give them faith to repent. But we can pray, can't we? We can love them as Christ does. We can ask God to help us genuinely to put Christ first so that we live attractive lives filled with grace and love of Christ that will help win them for Christ. God will always serve who he wants to serve. He will always serve those he has chosen from the foundation of the world. And he will do it. That's irresistible grace. Those whom God calls, he will bring. It's not a weak God. It's a powerful God. God will do what he has purposed. But the question you and I have to ask ourselves is this. What does he say about us if we are so heartless that we do not weep for them? if we're so heartless that we don't make freeing them from that spiritual cage our top priority in life. What does this say about your heart? If it does not pain you that your friends and people you meet in shops and talk to are slaves of darkness. Some of us were very annoyed by the lockdown. Why is this they're imprisoning me at home? I can't come out. Communism has arrived. Beloved, there's something even worse than The lockdown the spiritual lockdown that people are under. And we must labor to get the message out to the people that Christ delivers us from the power of darkness. Let us share it. So gratitude, surrendering, and sharing the gospel. Well, here's the final thing. I think this truth is here in our Bibles also. To remind anyone here who has not truly surrendered their life to Christ to do it now. To escape the power of darkness. You have lived long enough in the spiritual darkness of sin. You have lived long enough in the tyranny of Satan. Turn from your sin. Come to Christ. You know, when the Thai authorities found out the boys were trapped, right, right, they quickly swung into action and they tried to rescue them, right? Uh, on the eighth day, they made contact with the boys and they made the contact with the help of two British divers. There's always a Brit out there trying to save somebody. And these British, very wonderful named John and Rick, right? They swam through the darkness, through the darkness. And the boys saw the light of their salvation as it were. And responded. Because that's what John says. John says as soon as the boys saw their torches, they immediately emerged from the darkness. They saw the light of salvation and welcomed it. Why is that? Well, because no person in their right mind wants to be in darkness forever. You know, even people who enjoy the darkness, you know, they go clubbing at night and everything, they still rely on on the light. They still need the day. No one wants to live in darkness forever. In the same way, I believe that even though you enjoy the darkness of your sin, you're still yearning deep inside of you to be delivered from that darkness. Oh, we may put up a front and everything else. But we have this deep, yearning deep inside of us to be delivered from the spiritual darkness of sin. Because we recognize that this darkness we are under is a foreign intruder. We recognize we were designed and created by God to live in the kingdom of life. And so today, I plead with you to do, well, to not do the unthinkable. What is the unthinkable? Well, do not choose to remain in your cave of spiritual darkness. Those boys had the sense to come out to respond to the light. Let us have the sense to sense the spiritual cave of darkness we are in and come out of it by responding to the gospel. The light of God has come to you in Christ, He has come to rescue you from darkness. So do as the boys did walk to the light. Truly walk to the light of Christ. Surrender yourself to Christ. Tell Christ you admit you are living under the spiritual darkness. You want Christ to rescue you from it. And beloved, I plead with you, become a true follower of Christ today. Don't hold on to the darkness of sin. Don't choose to remain serving Satan as your master. I mean, why would you choose to keep heading on the dark path of hell and set your face against the wrath of God? Why would you choose a self-destructive path? I don't get it. I don't get it. Please help me. Why will it profit anyone to stay under such terrible darkness as we've been talking about and suffer the very wrath of God? Come to Christ today. Surrender to him. And I plead with you, do it genuinely. Do not merely do it as a tick box. don't merely do it to fit in with others. Our churches and our memberships are filled with people who have ticked the box and convinced themselves they are believers. But genuinely they are not. Don't follow that path. Don't do it without a deep conviction of sin in your heart. True faith means truly admitting you are living in darkness. You are cut off from God and only the death of Christ can save you. So you are putting your full weight on Christ. You are leaning on the cross of Christ alone. And if you do that this morning, God will set you free from the power of darkness forever. You'll be saved from darkness. you live in the kingdom of Christ. You have true security and belonging in the kingdom of God. And we'll say more about that next week, about what these wonderful verses teaches us about our new below- Oh, wonderful belonging in Christ. It's wonderful. In fact, that's how I ended up splitting the message in two. Because as I thought about what Christ has accomplished, transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, I thought we need to have a second message on it. And so we'll look at that next week. But today, don't wait until next week. Turn to Christ today. Ensure that you're looking to repent of your sin. Ensure that you've repented of your sin by becoming baptized. And of course, you can talk to me about that afterwards.